listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. Today we celebrate what is commonly referred to as Divine Mercy Sunday. It is the eighth day of the octave of Easter. And we celebrate today the conclusion of our Easter day celebration. We've still got six weeks left of our Easter celebration that will end at Pentecost. And we'll hear the double hallelujah for the last time today until we get to Pentecost. And as we conclude our Easter octave, uh, we celebrate. Today we'll have our picnic after mass, by the way. Uh, anybody who would like to come over, uh, certainly hot dogs, hamburgers, kids having fun, maybe remembering what it's like to be a little child because that is very Christ-like. And uh, anybody who's visiting, please come. We'd love to see you. All you need to bring is yourself and a joyful disposition. And uh, hopefully we can have this Easter party as a parish each year. We should do that. We should celebrate it together in community, not just individually. And as we move to the end of the Easter day celebrations, uh, the reflection today I mentioned at Mass on Holy Thursday. We're going to talk about Jesus in the garden a little bit. Uh, Father Poirier and I are going to do a series during Easter that... Uh, focuses on the sacraments each weekend, and today is Confession, Divine Mercy Sunday. But to understand confession, we have to first understand what Jesus said in the garden and what he says today in our gospel, as well as our secondary reading. So let's go back to the garden. And for those of you who weren't at Holy Thursday Mass, you'll be able to keep up, not a problem. Jesus made a lot of prayers in the garden the day before he died, knowing that he was going to die. So Jesus made several prayers. I mentioned one of them was offering himself to Christ, to God, the Father. Do with me as you will in your plan of salvation. And we're called to do that ourselves. A tough prayer. One I mentioned that I've never been able to make 100% myself. You know, anything? Anything? I can think of some deal breakers, you know. So my faith needs to be strengthened. Uh, I'm not there yet. And that's... That's part of God's divine mercy, is our recognition of not being there yet. So in the garden, he also made a prayer for his apostles. He prayed that those apostles may be consecrated in the truth. And he says, I consecrate them to myself, myself in the truth. And we know that he's only talking about the apostles there. Because in the very next paragraph, he says, I also pray for those who will come to believe through them. That would be us. That would be us. So the apostles have a very special role and they have been given the authority of being consecrated in the truth. And it's highlighted in the Great Commission in Matthew's Gospel. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Meaning Jesus, he's got all authority in heaven on earth. Couldn't be more of an expression of his divinity. And then he tells the apostles, apostles, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I have commanded you. So the apostles have a special role in teaching us. And thus we have our apostolic church, which we profess in our creed every Sunday. 
one holy Catholic and apostolic church. In the garden, Jesus also says of the apostles, as the Father has sent me, so I send them. And we hear that today. And you know, we hear from other Christian faith traditions, whether it be Protestant or non-denominational, the same thing the Pharisee said when he questioned Jesus and he said, who but God can forgive sins? The first problem is it's a Pharisee. The second problem is he's talking to God, right? I mean, really, Jesus is God. So that's, that's the problem. I'm not going to fault the poor Pharisee because I don't know that I would have recognized Jesus as God either at the time. But who but God can forgive sins? And he's exactly right, though. That's the other thing. Only God can forgive sins. But how does he do it? And this is our gospel reading today. On the first day of the week, they go in. Jesus says, peace be with you. A greeting that only our bishops can do. By the way, the successors to the apostles, I'm not allowed to say peace be with you at mass. Only they are. When the bishop comes, that's what he says. I say the Lord be with you. And then he showed him his hands and his side. And he says, again, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. He's giving the apostles his authority. And then he doubles down and gives a divine authority when he tells them that whose sins you forgive are forgiven, whose sins you retain are retained, specifically. And so the apostles take that and we develop into the understanding of Jesus having given the apostles that authority, including the power to forgive sins. And then they are transmitted through time. And we hear in our readings today, the first reading about the devotion to the apostles. That's what the early community did. They were the teachers. They were the teachers. And so we think of today when we get to the thought of confession, how does that come up? You know, I hear sometimes people tell me uh, regularly now for 20 years, you know, I'm just going to go direct to God. I'm just going to go direct. And, you know, my joking response is, okay, then I don't want to see you for any other sacraments. If you, if you want your baby baptized, forget the gown, use your bathtub. You just go direct. You do it. Lovely ladies who want to be brides in our beautiful church, don't do that. Just go to your carport, say you love each other and be done with it. Why bother me? Grandma's sick, go direct. Go direct. Don't call me at two o'clock in the morning to go to the hospital. You know, we, we want what we kind of like. We don't want to do maybe the harder things like coming to the recognition that we are works in progress. And so Lent is all about that honest evaluation of ourselves critically. Where are we sinning? Where are we not doing enough good? And that's what confession is all about. Confession is Lent and Easter all together in one sacrament. All of them have the Paschal mystery to some extent, but nothing more stark than in confession. Because in confession, we do a rigorous examination of our conscience. Hopefully, we have contrition. We're sorry for our sins. We go, we confess our sins, and then we receive absolution from the priest, usually. Our bishop was here for our, our penance service. It was lovely. He does that. He's a wonderful guy. But he came and helped out Wednesday before Easter and heard with the five or 600 people his very much fair share of confessions. But I am an assistant to the bishop and I'm not allowed to hear confessions without his permission. When I came out of the church of the cathedral, he gave me 
the authority to hear sins because it was entrusted to the apostles and their successors. So I got a little letter on my way out on ordination. Father Brady, congratulations on your ordination to the priesthood. You now have the following faculties. One is to absolve sins in confession. And so we're all very much within line in scripture. And as we think of confession, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like I said, it's Lent and Easter. And I think all of us get the Lent sum. We need to have our sins forgiven. But we go in and hopefully we experience the warm embrace that the prodigal son experienced going back to his father after he had come to his senses. Some people say went into himself and came to his senses, examined himself and came back and said, this is crazy. I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And then he's restored. And so we go in to have our sins forgiven to remove the obstacles to our salvation. That's what confession does in the first part. But we're also given the grace of amendment. What does that mean? We are called to change our lives. That's what repentance means. And sometimes we confuse contrition with repentance. Contrition is being sorry for our sins. Repentance is the change in life that comes about from it. And so in confession, another reason why we do integral confession is that we not only have our sins forgiven, but we're given the grace to overcome them and to grow in our lives. And that growth is what we celebrate right now at Easter, is that change in life for the better. And that's not easy. Actually, that's harder. That's harder because now we are called to let, as St. Paul would say, grace build upon grace, that we are able to change step by step into a better person and that our life changes. And if it doesn't, then Easter has been a failure. And I think some of us at times in our lives, all of us would admit we go to confession kind of as a dumping box, get rid of your sins. And that's it. We don't think about, hey, when we go out, we've been given the grace to live a new life, a tough life. Many of you guys got to know my knee over Easter. Many of you have seen me with my knee over the last three months, going from limping to bedridden effectively, not bedridden, but no, well, non-weight bearing, which was difficult. And then obviously I walked from there to here. It's limited. I'm not gonna call it my walking, living, breathing pity machine anymore. I'm gonna call it my Easter icon. Because what has happened is, as I mentioned, the trauma, we'll call that sin, the damage that I did to the meniscus. And the surgeon, the divine surgeon comes in and heals it. And then I had to hold it in place for six weeks, not moving it effectively and not putting any weight on it. And that was hard, but you know, at the end, I kind of adjusted to it. And now when I went in and the nurse said, take that brace off and can you walk? And I was like, I don't know. Little steps, little steps. Every day's a little bit better. My knee is coming to life. I was scared to put weight on my knee. I had fear. I didn't trust it. I didn't necessarily trust the nurse saying that it would be fine to do it. But little by little, my knee is coming to life and I'm able to walk. And maybe when I get back next week, I'm gonna take a little break this week, come back for next weekend. Maybe I can take a step, don't know. They tell me, just have to wait, let things unfold, let grace build upon grace. 
Let the strengthening build upon it. The healing is there. Now it's your job to push it as hard as you can without overdoing it. That's what I was told. So my job now is to be not afraid, push it hard, but not too much. It's not ready for steps yet, but it is ready to walk from the altar to here. It is ready for me to walk around the house a little bit more without crutches. It's not ready for me to take steps, be able to do that without crutches. That's our spiritual life. Where are we changing? Where are we growing? Where are we doing the hard work? And to be perfectly blunt, it is harder in rehab than it was in the surgery and in the brace. And actually, sometimes I want to have the brace back. It was comfortable. It was protective. It was holding. It didn't hurt. Now it hurts a little bit. That's my guideline. Don't let it hurt too much. Hurt a little bit. And that's what our new life is. It's going to hurt. we got to give of cells. It's going to be uncomfortable, maybe. That's what Easter is all about. That's what we celebrate. And the joy is what we hear in our second reading. Talks about our struggles and trials through life. Now we also have to look at the joy that we celebrate is the place reserved for us in heaven. But we only get there by that change of life. And so we pray for God's divine mercy. We pray that we will understand that his mercy is not unconditional. It has conditions. We pray that we recognize that and we do our job with the act of the will to get better. And we pray that in the end, he gives us what we need in order to live in life with him in true Easter joy at the end of the life he's given us here. And if we make growth this Easter season and we carry it throughout our lives, then this Easter will have been one to have true joy and we can live in true peace.